0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Believers Church. Welcome to There is Still Hope. And I got to thinking as you know about this year. We just came off of Future America series and I'm thinking about this year. I'm thinking about the election coming up in a couple of weeks and we thought what an incredible opportunity to talk about the hope of God and the hope God has given us. So we're going to have fun with this series. I want to warn you, I got fired up last night, so I may get fired up. We're doing water baptisms at 1045, so I can't go back too far. I'm going to be wet, but I'm going to just try to stay in my zone, right, right here in my zone. But um, I'm, I'm just really excited about it. Uh, there was a man in the Bible who had everything... Everything he had was taken from him except his wife. Uh, all of his kids, everything he owned, he had businesses, everything was taken. And on top of that, he had these ugly boils all over his body. And we most, most of us know who it is, it's Job. And he was sitting there trying to scrape boils off. Can you imagine how painful and awful that would be? Lost everything, and his wife said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? And I wonder what kind of prayer he prayed after. That. So, Lord, why did not you leave me a couple kids and take my wife? Why did you leave her here, right? <laughs> and, and we all love our mates, don't we? But I'm just saying, that's the last thing you want your mate to say, right? Our mates would never say that. So uh, I just, <laughs> I love that story. Now, uh, he's going through this tough time. It lasted eight months, and God gave him double of everything afterwards. Uh, but he had these three friends, and sometimes they told him good things, sometimes not so good. Here's something Bill Dad said, and it was really powerful. He said this, uh, Job 8.13, those who forget God have no hope, right? And it's understood, uh, if you've never known God, you'd be the same as somebody that forgets God, right? So uh, without God, there's no hope. And we're going to see that in this series, and we're going to talk about uh, this future hope of eternity uh, in this, this, this lesson, uh, and, and, and in the weeks to come, I wanna talk about hope for the now, and we are gonna have an amazing time as we do it. I saw this quote, and the author of the quote is unknown, but I thought it's so applicable for where we're at, and it goes like this. Our hope doesn't lie in the man we put in the White House. Our hope lies in the man we put on the cross. Can, can we give it up a little bit here, Borman, Ward, online? It's so true. Now, that's not to say uh, the right person could make things better, but can we all agree Washington can't solve all of our troubles. Government can't solve all of our troubles. Uh, Washington had nothing to do with COVID, right? And it's it's just, it's just life. And so no matter who we put in there, they can't give us this guaranteed hope for anything, but the man who died on the cross can, and he's powerful. I wrote a couple thoughts down, guys. Uh, I didn't want to miss one, so I'm just going to look at them. And here's the first one. You can be blessed and prosper no matter who's in the White House. And I got to thinking about that. God says in Philippians 4.19, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his resources. And there's no clause to that verse. It doesn't say, my God shall supply all of your needs except unless... So-and-so wins the presidency. No, it doesn't say that. It's a bold promise. I will meet every need that you have. And so no matter who gets in the White House, we have a, a resource who's God, and we can be blessed no matter what. Uh, not that we don't want the right people in, right? But, but listen to this one. You can have peace no matter who's in the White House. Je- Jesus said, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. He said, in this world you'll have trouble. I've overcome it, so be of good cheer. And then he said this, I am the prince of peace, and I offer you peace, not as this world can offer, I offer to you. And that's referring to this inner peace. And no matter who's in the White House, guys, it could be the guy you vote for. And I'm telling you, this life's still going to throw some slaps at you. It's going to bring some storms at you. But peace comes from the hope of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Here's here's the next statement. You ready for this? You can fulfill your destiny no matter who's in the White House. I like that. Every one of you have a destiny. No matter who's in the White House, you can fulfill that destiny. And as a matter of fact, if the wrong person that the person you think is wrong gets in the White House. You need to fulfill your destiny all the more. And I got to thinking about it for us pastors. There's, we have pastors that watch our broadcast. Guys, no matter who's in the White House, our churches can fulfill their destiny. We can be the light of the world. We can be the salt of the earth. As a matter of fact, we saw in our last series, the worse this world becomes, the more God pours his great grace out on his people and on the church. So no matter who's in the White House, we can fulfill our destiny. And I have one more for you. Ready for this? One, you can overcome adversity no matter who's in the White House. I like that. And no matter who's in there, you're going to have problems anyway. But sometimes our leadership can cause extra problems, right? But no matter what problem they cause in in this nation, in our lives, guys, we have someone that's greater than anybody that's in government. His name is Jesus. And he gives us hope like no one else can give us hope. Again, I'm not telling you not to be concerned, not to be involved. I'm just telling you there's a peace and a joy and just a freedom that comes when we begin to know who we serve and what he's promised to each and every one of us. So here's my big idea for this first lesson. And it goes like this, God has given the hopeless eternal hope. And some of you, you're saying, oh, I already know about Jesus, I accepted him, yeah, I'm going to have, listen, listen. Reminding ourselves of this is what brings the greatest peace and the greatest joy. So this is a message for all of us that know Jesus. But then some of you who are listening, maybe someone invited you, maybe you saw the billboards and you felt like, I am hopeless, right? I I don't know what to do. This, This is a crazy year. I don't know where things are going. Listen, God has given you hope that no human being can give you and it will bring you peace. And wait till we get through this message. You're gonna love it. But guys, this world offers two types of hope and none of them are guaranteed. So I thought we'd just talk about the two hopes of this world. Here's the first one. It's called wishful hope. And you know what, guys? Wishful hope kinda goes like this. You buy a lottery ticket, and you hope you win the big jackpot. That's wishful hope. Do you know there's a one in 300 million chance that you'll win the big jackpot? One in 300 million. And, and guess what? There's a one in 500,000. That's a better chance, isn't it? A one in 500,000 chance that you'll be struck by lightning. And so, yeah, yeah. You have a better chance of being struck by lightning than winning the big daddy, right? And, and if you ever win it, don't forget your church, okay? Now, listen, <laughs> listen, guys, right, right? We accept all ties, Right? <laughs> We'll do something, we will sanctify it, let me tell you right now. So, so... That's wishful hope, right? And then uh, another way to look at wishful hope, you're late, you're driving somewhere and you're late and you're hoping all the lights are green, right? Have you ever done that? I've done it and, and I hate when that red light hits, but sometimes I'm lucky and, and, and uh, I'm the first one in line. So when that light turns green, I gun it. I use a gallon of gas, but the idea is I wanna to get to the next light before it changes. Don't go over the speed limit, but I get, everybody's behind me, they're all saying, what's this crazy guy doing burning all this gas? But I, I feel like if I can get sync with it right I can catch them all green but can you all agree that's wishful hope it very seldom happens right and can you all agree there's no guarantee to wishful hope here's the best hope the world offers it's it's a lot better it's called calculated hope and man it's a lot better and calculated hope goes like this you plant a pepper seed in the ground and, and, and you hope for a pepper harvest. And you know what, that's calculated. You have a good chance of having a pepper harvest, but it's not guaranteed because you plant that seed. What if a bird with a big old long beak comes and eats that seed the next morning? What if some rodents get the seed, right? Uh, you hope it will work, but what, what if you forget to water it or uh, you know, you're depending on the weather and there's not enough rain uh, or there's some insects that get it and infest it? it's calculated. You should have a pepper harvest, but you can't guarantee a pepper harvest. Or maybe, you know, you have some kids that were like us growing up. My mom and dad always wanted us in our backyard. They didn't trust us, so we always had to be in the backyard. And they said, so they said, call your friends over here. So we'd have these big football games in our backyard. My dad had this big garden, and I remember one time, I'm going for a catch, and all I'm thinking about is catching a football, and when I land, I land right on a tomato plant. The stick cracks, the plant's broken in half, and I knew my dad was going to kill me. Uh, so we we found a new stick. We, we tied it, and then I taped the plant, hoping. But Dad saw it that night, and wasn't good, right? That, that could also destroy your harvest, right? It's calculated. You hope it's going to work. And another way of looking at calculated hope is you obtain a great degree, you have a college degree, or you go to a trade school, you you get get yourself into a great trade, maybe a bricklayer, uh, you know, plumber, whatever, uh, all good things. And so you have a calculated hope that I'm going to obtain a good job, but we have no idea where the economy's going. We don't know the company you're working for, if it's going to last. It's calculated, but not guaranteed. That's the best this world can do. But here's the hope that comes from heaven. It's called promised hope. And I thought long and hard about what to call it. I was gonna call it guaranteed hope, and I thought, nah, it comes from God's promises. And we have to understand God's promises if we're gonna understand hope and there's still hope. So I call it promised hope, but it's guaranteed. And it's guaranteed, guys, by God himself. So let me show you how it works. It works by what God has promised, and here's a scripture you might have thought I'd never read for the subject of hope, but listen to it, Hebrews 11, 1. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen, right? It hasn't happened, but we're convinced it will. What else is faith? Well, it is the certainty, and that word certainty means guarantee, that what we hope for it's waiting for us even though we can't see it up ahead. It could be eternity, but it could be all the promises God made for the now. And notice, hope is a result of faith, but what does the Bible say in Romans chapter 10? Faith comes by hearing the promises of God. So promised hope, or prom- promises in the Bible, that's what brings us hope and it's guaranteed hope. And I wanna help make sure we understand that as we go forward in this first lesson. And so I thought of a man. His name was Abraham. He was 75, and his wife was 65, and they had no kids. And God appears to him. At that time, his name was Abram. His wife was Sarai. And he says, I'm going to give you so many descendants. Look at the stars. He says, can you count them, Abraham? goes, no. He goes, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham had to think, got to. do you understand I'm 75, my wife's 65, we had no kids. This is not going to happen, And God said, no, it's going to happen. And what I like that story is powerful, but I like what God said about the promise, and it's so for every promise He's ever made, and that's what we want to look at, Ephesians 6:13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. And we do this all the time. When I, when I was a kid and I'd walk into the kitchen in the morning, mom would say, did you fix your bed? i say, yeah, mom, I fixed my bed. She says, you mean to tell me if I walk in your room, your bed will be fixed? And i say, mom, I fixed it, I swear to God. And that never stopped her from looking. But <laughs> I got to thinking about Jesus You know, Jesus always existed. He's God the Son. He was there with the Father way in the beginning. He's the creator, and yet he came into a body. And not just a body, he came into the body of a baby. That means his mama changed his diapers. She fed him. He grew up and experienced what we Grow up and experience. And so I got to thinking about Jesus. He's 10 years old. He comes into the kitchen and Mary says, Jesus, did you fix your bed? And he goes, Yeah, Mom, I fixed it. She says, You mean to tell me if I walk in your room, your bed will be fixed? He says, Mom, I swear by me, I fixed the bed, right? Because he's God. And guys, you can't go higher than that. That's why Jesus would have to say, I swear by me. You can't go any higher than God, guys. It's as high as you can go. But listen to what God does with this. Verse 14 saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. That's the promise. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. So he promised it. Abraham received it. I mean, God did a miracle, right? God does miracles to make his promises happen. But here's what we're after, verse 16. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. So he didn't just make a promise. The oath is, I swear by me, this will come to pass. And when God makes a promise, it's connected to that oath. I swear by me, I will make it happen. And here's how he brings it all together. Listen to verse 18. God did this, so that by two unchangeable things. That word means you can't change it, you can't knock it away, you can't steal it. it. It is not calculated, it's not wishful, it's guaranteed. And he says, by two unchangeable things, that's the promise, and God's saying, I swear by me, the oath, he goes, in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled the world to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. And so, guys, every promise God made has two unchangeable, two rock-solid things connected to it. And that's why when we read these promises, we need to know, man, God made this. Whoa, God but back, God's backing it up. He said, I swear, I'll bring that to pass, right? And so when you and I understand that level of hope, which comes from the promises of God, that hope can change our lives. That hope can keep us on course. Um, I, I, I love what the next verse says because it's all about keeping us on course. Here's how it finishes out. We have, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So God's promises produce hope, They're guaranteed by God. And they become an anchor for our soul. Your soul is your emotional, the emotional part of your being. And as we walk through COVID and we walk through 2020 and we walk through everything we're seeing and we're coming up to a presidential election, God says, I have something that can anchor your soul. Now, eternal hope will be a big part of the anchor, but also, guys, as we get into some of these other lessons, you're gonna see what these promises will do. But I wanna make sure you understand what God's talking about. So here's a great statement. Anchors keep ships, ships from drifting and add stability in the storm. And those of you that fish, you know this. Uh, you know you throw that anchor down and it just keeps your boat where it's not going all over the place. You're not gonna end up five miles away, right? And these bigger ships in storms, they put their anchors down and it brings stability. So here's something I want you to see as a visual. Here's a small anchor. Just a tiny one. You put it down, it grabs the bottom of the water floor and it keeps you from drifting. Here's one for a really big ship. It's one of the biggest anchors ever made. Take a look at it. Take a look at the chain, too. The chain is crazy, isn't it? And so you have a little one, you have a big one, and then I have a statement for you. Ready for this statement? The bigger the life you want to live, the bigger the anchor you need. You need a big anchor to live a big life. And what do I mean by big? Well, I think a big life for Christians is peace in joy, and freedom, and deliverance, and walking through this world without fear. How about walking through the world with no fear? Not that we're not concerned, not that we can't see, whoa, this isn't gonna go good if this happens, but not having any fear, because our soul is anchored. What creates the anchor for our soul? It's the promises of God, and so that's why um, a message like this, and a series like this is so important, that's why we're saying to the whole community, and to everybody that calls believers home, there is still hope and if we know what God's promised it brings this anchor to our soul and we can go through some crazy times and just smile say you know what I'm tethered to God, and there's nothing in this world that can knock me out, and I'm going to keep going forward, and I'm going to do everything God created me to do, and if the whole world falls apart, my God is the great God, and he's going to go with me, he'll be behind me, and he's going to take me through any flood, any problem that this world can throw at me. Do you have your soul anchored? Let's give it up, guys. Is your soul anchored? (laughs) Because. But I'm always walking around with a. I have a smile on my face all the time. I just really don't care. Uh, uh, you know, I, I care. I'm concerned. I'm going to vote and all that. But I really don't care. I, I just don't. Uh, bring it on. I'm going to. I'm going to walk with God, and we're going to do what God's created us to do. Nothing's stopping the church, and nothing's stopping you. And you and I need to know that. So uh, let's talk about our big idea. God has given the hopeless eternal hope. So listen to this, this is where I was at one time, and every one of us in this room. Some of you grew up in church like my kids, so they, they, they had hope a little before I did. Ephesians 2.12, remember that at that time, you were separated from Christ. He's writing to new Christians in Ephesus. Excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. So Israel is the nation that God reached out to first, and he excluded all other nations, and he made them all these promises. But then, when you and I accepted Christ, we were brought into them. But, but notice where we were before we met Jesus, every one of us, without hope and without God in the world. That's a terrible place to be. And you might say, didn't you grow up in church? I did. I did, about 17, I walked away from God. Right around before I accepted Christ, I didn't even know if God existed. I was beginning to become an atheist. Like, I don't even think you exist. But growing up in church, when I was young and my heart was soft, I wasn't sure where I was going when I died. And I remember my mom and dad saying, we hope we go to heaven. Kids live good. We hope we get there, right? They had wishful hope. It wasn't even calculated. It was wishful. I remember my mom saying, "Hey, when I go, light candles for me. Have masses said, because that way, in case I don't go, you guys can pray me out of purgatory and get me there." And so I would tell my mom, "Okay, mom." And my dad say, "Do that for me." And I go, "Dad, mm, I'm not sure if it will work for you, you know." And then for me, it was even worse than my dad, right? And I remember, whatever, seventeen or so, I came to the age, and I thought. According to what I've learned in church, there aren't enough candles that have been made to get me out, so I might as well have fun while I'm here, right? And many of you have done the same thing. It's wishful hope, and that's where we were. But verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So when you and I accepted Jesus, something spectacular happened, and we came into the promises of God. So I wanna read a little bit to you, some promises. We wanna get happy about these. 1 John five eleven says this. This is written to Christians. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, pretty powerful, and this life is in his Son, Jesus. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's finish it up. Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And there's something about just knowing Hey, no matter what this world throws at me, I have eternal life. And I really think this is why the martyrs, my goodness, this is why they could smile and forgive people who were putting them to death. They knew what they had. And I like this verse, you ready? This is a cool, cool section. We all know Ephesians says, uh, we're, we're not saved by works, but by grace, lest any of us should boast. I like the way Titus says it, Titus 3.5. Jesus saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So when you said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven, the Holy Spirit cleaned you, washed all your sins away, listen to verse six. Whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, I love this, having the hope of eternal life. Guys, no matter what this world does, There's something waiting for you that is so spectacular. It's absolutely amazing. Guys, government cannot save us. It cannot uh, promise us everything. It cannot come through with all its promises. All of us have been disappointed. Even if our person gets in the White House, there's certain things that can't be done, right? But there's somebody that made us a promise, and it's so powerful. And here's here's the scripture I was working toward. You ready? Listen to this, 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, that's the title of this message, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and here's here's the money verse, you ready? And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you there is something about knowing this life is not all there is this life is short if we compare this life to eternity it's a little dot next to a billion football fields It is so short. And when we leave this life, guys, guess where we're going? We're going to our inheritance. We're going to a place where no matter what people do down here, nobody can take our inheritance from us. The government can't take our inheritance. Nobody can take our inheritance, no matter what they do. If they kill us, guys, and I know that's a little morbid, but if they kill us, They're sending us to our our, our inheritance. It's like, whoa, that's a great place, man. It's a great place. It's like, well, thank you, thank you. That's what the martyr said. Well, thank you. I get to go home early. I didn't, didn't want to go on my own, but thank you. This is great. It's an inheritance that's waiting for us. And I just think about that. It makes me smile. And I had one more verse, guys. This is for all of us that have lost some loved ones. You know, during COVID we've lost people here at the church and I've lost people that I was really close to and it's very sad. And then we, we we had other funerals of people that just died from other reasons and that's always sad. So Paul had a new church in Thessalonica and I always talk about this when I do a funeral. And these were new Christians and they were really really bummed out about their loved ones that died because they didn't understand what God promised. And so he had to write to them. And and, and here's what Paul says. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Brothers and sisters, fellow Christians, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. And I like the fact that you sleep because you died physically, but you're alive and you go to the other side. He says, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now, grief is a necessary thing. Do you know, when Lazarus died, the Bible says Jesus grieved. He, he cried. And, and that always baffled me because I thought, you know, Jesus, hello, you, you came from up there. You know where he went. Why would you cry? And do you know why he cried? Because if you're in a human body, you are gonna grieve when you lose someone that you love. And Jesus proved that to us. So God's not saying you can't grieve. Here's what he's saying. Don't grieve like the world. What's the difference? Grieving with hope, grieving without hope. The world grieves this way. Oh man, I lost them, they're gone, and I'll never see them again. Christians grieve this way. This stinks, this hurts. It's going to be hard to keep going. And we miss them week after week, month after month. But then we add something to it. I miss them, but I'm going to see them again. And our relationship isn't over. And this thing's going to continue on the other side. That's how Christians grieve. And guys, I know we know that, but it's good to remind ourselves of it. We are going to the other side. We have eternal hope, and I'm really excited about it. And, 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 and the next very next verse says it's all because of Jesus. So if you're listening right now, Borman, TCI, Warrant, online, guys, all of you that watch on demand, we have way more people watch on demand. They watch when they're ready, right? And that's awesome. Man, this is something that anchors the soul like nothing else can anchor the soul. No matter what this world throws at me, I'm an eternal creature. And wait till we get to the next couple lessons. And I have a God who can deliver me from any bad government. Isn't that pretty exciting? Can can we give it up just one more time? Say thank you, Jesus. Mm. And does that make me make it clear? Even if the government's good, they're gonna mess up somewhere, right? Because they're human beings and they can't help us in every area of our life. They can't help you when you lose your job and all that stuff. Thank God for you know unemployment, all that stuff. But guys. There's a God in heaven that can help you walk through anything this earth throws at you. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, thank you for this series, for us to remind ourselves. Lord, we're excited about our eternal, our eternal salvation, our eternal hope. And Lord, make that more real to even us Christians. And Lord, as we progress, thank you for reminding us That no matter what we fall into, you're the God that pulls us out. You're the God that delivers us. And I thank you for making that so clear, Lord God. Lord, we thank you that we can trust in this hope. We thank you that our soul can be anchored. We can say, I don't like it, but God's in control. We can say, I don't like it, but my God, my God shall supply all my needs. My God shall come through for me. And Lord, we just ask you to grow our anchors as we go through this series. So our souls will be stable. And I ask you, Father, flood everybody with peace as they listen. So stay in prayer, heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're listening, maybe you saw the billboards and you're online, or you're gonna be online, or you're in and TCI or you're right here in Warren. We had, we had lots of people raise their hands last night and you just say, man, I want this eternal hope. I remember the first time I received it, it changed my life forever. And right now I'm not asking you to join our church or religion. Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to establish a kingdom. And he said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them. So I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. I'm not asking you if you're an agnostic or an atheist. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it real with Jesus and said, I accept you as my savior. And I can't make you do that, but you know, God said, as we preach and share this good news, he opens up hearts. And I believe there's many of you whose hearts have been opened. We're really excited about it. And I'd like you to pray with me right now. Jesus said, if you call on my name, I'll save you. So let's go ahead and pray, guys. Can can, can Boardman and TCI Warren, can we help them pray, man? Let them hear us pray. Uh, Man, it will change your life forever. So say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and need a savior. That's why I'm looking to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You came to earth to save us. You died. God raised you up. You're alive. I accept you as my savior. And I say you are the Lord of my life. And I'm going to begin to follow you amen now hey heads are bowed eyes are closed if you prayed that prayer miracles happen do you know all your sins were washed away god gave you the gift of eternal life and he's going to make that so real to you that you're going to walk you're going to walk through the week smiling and if you didn't feel a thing it still happened